Welcome back to another edition of Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowls, brought to you today by Anchor. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Took a took another week off last week of summer, so decided to cram some stuff in and take a week off, and that was it. Was nice. Let me tell you, it was nice. But now the full swing, this full schedule's back. Everybody's seems like everybody's back in school now. Life's getting a little busy now. But you know, as sad as it is to see that summer end, summer is ending, and that school's starting, homework's back, papers are back. We have to look forward to NFL season. We also got to look forward to the college football season. I am pumped for this college football season. How about y'all? How about y'all? I mean, I imagine a lot of you are. And let me tell you, um, there are some teams that this season we're going to have to watch out for. And then, you know, there's just the typical teams that you watch out for that, you know, don't really worry about but I mean let's let's talk about how the college football season ended this past year on January 7th with the college football playoff national championship the Clemson Tigers the number one team last season who went 15 and0 beating that number two Alabama Crimson Tide went 14 and one. The Clemson Tigers destroyed that game. Absolutely destroyed. They won 44 to 16, ladies and gentlemen. The first quarter of football was good football. I mean, the score at the end of the first quarter was 14-13. Clemson was up by 1 point. Then the second quarter, shaky shaky for Alabama. Only scored 3 points. While the Clemson came away with 17. That absolutely crazy. Then halftime came, you know. We're thinking, okay, Alabama's going to come out strong. Third quarter, nothing happens. Clemson scores 13. Alabama scores none. And in the fourth quarter, none of them scored nothing. So, I mean, at halftime, the score was 31 to 16. Not a huge deficit. For Alabama to come back in from. But that was a crazy game. Fun game to watch. It was cool to see Clemson win that. And not see Alabama win for a change. But I want to talk to you about. I mean we're still preseason college football. It is starting really soon. But I want to talk to you about. Who I'm placing. And my rankings, my personal rankings for this upcoming college football season. At the number one seed, I have Alabama. I mean, it should not be a surprise to any of you that I placed Alabama number one. Tua returns. Okay, he's going to be a Heisman frontrunner this year. Okay, but 
Alabama has some key pieces of the puzzle returning back to the offense this season. Guys, I'm talking about are Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Henry Ruggs. They're all back on offense. Alabama this season has 10, 10 of the top 50 players on the 2020 NFL Draft Big Board. I've looked at a lot of 2020 NFL Draft Big Boards so far, and every single one of them, Alabama had the top had 10 of the top 50 players. But I mean, this season Alabama underwent a little bit of a coaching staff remodelization. They brought back the offensive coordinator, coordinator Steve Sarkisian. Okay. Then they also promoted Pete Golding to defensive coordinator. So that that's what happened in the coaching staff for Alabama. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. This season, Alabama is going to take an SEC road trip. SEC road trip to South Carolina, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Auburn. But when I look at all those teams, those are all phenomenal football teams. When have any of those teams really stopped Nick Saban, though? We can't really think of a time. We can't even really think of a time. So that's my number one team, and that's why. Next, number two. I think y'all aren't even going to be surprised what my number two is. I got Clemson. The Tigers, on January 7th of this year, 2019, they handled the media of beating the Crimson Tide so well. I mean, they they took it in so well. But that college football season's over. Over. Clemson, though, this season has the unique opportunity to win three national championships in four seasons under Dabo Swinney. And, folks, I hate to say it, there's no way to contain the hype around megastar quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Guy had a killer performance against Alabama in last year's championship game. That guy, the guy was unstoppable. He was truly amazing. Some guys that are going to return to offense this season. We have Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Travis e- and Travis. I can never say his last time, last name. Eteen. Eighteen. I'm gonna. T- I mean, that was my best shot out of it. I've I've heard it pronounced before, but I've never been able to pronounce it. This, the those three guys, Ross, Higgins, and Eighteen. They return to such a solid Clemson offense that I was told that people think that they that they are possibly going to be scoring 50 points per game. 50 points per game. That's a bold statement, but hey, I I I can believe that. I can believe it. 
Um, but Clemson's defense is re- is going to have to rebuild. They sent three defensive linemen to the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft. But we have to talk about the guy, Xavier Thomas. He's ready to fill that void along with fellow line along with linebacker Isaiah Simmons and cornerback AJ Terrell. As good as I believe this team is going to be and as you believe this team will be, we're going to find out really early because they start off playing Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, and Syracuse. So this team is going to have to be better this season than they were last season. Number three team for me, Georgia. Georgia had very disappointing season-ending losses to Alabama and Texas. We you know what Georgia's done with that? They put it in the past. They've locked it in the safe, thrown it away. Georgia fans are, they have high expectations for Kirby Smart. They want Kirby Smart to deliver the school's first national championship to them since 1980. And you know what? I believe that they can do it because they definitely have the talent to do it. They definitely do. Jake Fromm is a three-year starter at quarterback. He has several new targets in the passing game. But the running back, the running game will be definitely strong around DeAndre Swift, Brian Herrian, James Cook, and Zamir White. You also have your offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas. You know what I believe about Andrew Thomas? Andrew Thomas is a first-round talent that ultimately leads the offensive front for Georgia. He does. Um, I want to talk about a key matchup, though, for Georgia in September. Georgia is facing Notre Dame, which could potentially set the tone for another run toward the SEC championship game where Alabama, I think, will will be waiting for them. I think Georgia can do it this year. Georgia and Kirby Smart can bring Georgia their, their, I mean, a national championship. It's been since 1980. The last national championship they won was in 1980. You know they're hot. They want to come out. They want to come out. Number four for me. Ohio State. Ryan Day is taking over these Ohio State Buckeyes. And you know what I liked about him? He brought in a whole new staff, pretty much. He brought an offensive coordinator, Mike Yurkich, from Oklahoma State. Defensive coordinator, Greg Madison. And, oh, sorry. I'm, I am just losing my mind today. And he also brought in that defensive coordinator, Greg Madison, from Michigan. The latter move will be in the spotlight, given the rivalry ties. But... The defensive line features Chase Young and freshman Zach Harrison. Georgia transfer Justin Fields took over at quarterback in the spring. 
but he's going to have some competition from Kentucky transfer Gunnar Hoak. If you're an Ohio State fan, here's what I'm going to tell you. Expect J.K. Dobbins to be more involved in the offense and freshman Garrett Wilson. These guys, I think, will they're going to make some head-turning catches this season. They're going to be in the spotlight. They're going to be guys we're going to have to watch. The, the schedule is set up for a continued honeymoon and day's first season, but the Buckeyes' season will be defined really in the last two weeks when they play Penn State and Michigan. That's really where we're going to define the Buckeye season and where some of you can prove me wrong or some of you are going to say, hey, man, you were totally right. <laughs> uh, number five for me, Oklahoma. We've seen two good, two amazing quarterbacks come out of that school, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Both of them led the Sooners to the college football playoff with Heisman Trophy winning seasons the last two years. And now, it's Alabama's transfer Jalen Hurts' turn. Oklahoma fans, you need to trust your coach, Lincoln Riley. This is his third year. He has a high-flying offense. And that high-flying offense, I think, can... And potentially will be good enough to win the Big 12 with your playmakers in Kennedy Brooks and C.D. Lamb. Oklahoma, though, they are definitely going to need a massive rebuild on the offensive line. After that humongous NFL exodus. The defense for Oklahoma is going to improve and going to have to improve under new coordinator Alex Grinch. They have to. In order, if if Oklahoma wants to go from playoff contender to national champion after losses to Georgia and Alabama... The Big 12 is counting on Oklahoma this year to bring them pure happiness. Next for me, number six, I have the Texas Longhorns. Tom Herman has another cycle of four and five star talent to work with. Longhorns. Go Longhorns, right? For those of you who live in Texas, they're getting another chance to show they're ready for the big stage. They are. Herman has an experienced quarterback in Sam Ellinger. And Colin Johnson's decision to return to school is key to Texas. Keontae Ingram and Daniel Young add to their backfield. And the defense will be led by safety Caden Stearns. But Texas has a, Texas has a huge game in September that I'm marking on my calendar against LSU. That game against LSU is going to determine how wrong some of us are or how right some of us are. 
Okay. So mark LSU cal- LSU game on your calendar because it can either knock us on our bottoms or it's gonna it's gonna be paying the bills. <laughs> Number seven for me, I have the LSU Tigers. The Tigers steadied the program, their football program program over there, with a fia- with a Fiesta Bowl victory under coach Ed Orgeron. And despite a few early departures, they should feel pretty good heading into this new college football season. Joe Burrow, who took command of the offense last season, he's returning for a second year as the starting quarterback. And But something that really stood out to me was LSU also hired Saints passing game coordinator Joe Brady to really supplement Joe Burrow. They have second-year offensive coordinator Steve Ensinger, Esminger. He returns. And Joe Brady and Steve are really going to work well together, I think. Uh, the LSU Tigers' defense is going to feature this season All-American candidates Greg Delpit and Christian Fulton in the secondary and some incoming freshmen in Derek and... Sorry, not... And incoming freshmen. Just one freshman. Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley has a lot of expectations for this season. And I think he can, he's going to live up to them. The road trip to Texas. It's going to be vital. For the Tigers. And the usual date with Alabama on November 9th will really determine if the LSU Tigers can make the playoffs this season. It really will. Number eight for me. Florida. This is the first of four SEC teams in the top ten capable of competing for a national championship. That is not a perception. It is a merely a product of conference depth. And... Dan Mullen proved what a difference one year makes in Gainesville. Philippe Franks has taken control of the starting quarterback job. The defense, despite a max exodus of talent in the secondary, is led by NFL caliber cornerback C.J. Henderson. The September schedule for the good old Florida Gators Includes Miami, Kentucky, and Tennessee. The good old Gators, though. They're going to get some more big stage opportunities in October. When they play LSU and Auburn. Before their most important matchup of the season against Georgia on November 2nd. I have set high expectations for Florida to put them at my number 8. I I have high expectations for them, and I believe that they can live up to them. My number nine, Michigan. The Michigan Wolverines have the ninth best record among Power 5 teams since Jim Harbaugh 
arrived at Ann Arbor in 2015. But the only record that gets airtime is 0-4. Jim still hasn't beat those darn Ohio State Buckeyes. And the schedule this season features those the same potholes with an early matchup against Army. And then they're going to take two road trips to Wisconsin and Penn State. But Michigan did hire offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis really built some enthusiasm around quarterback Shea Patterson and a talented, a, a very talented group of receivers in Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico, Nico Collins, and Tariq Black. Dallin McCaffrey might play a role in that success too, though. The Wolverines still need a running back. And defensive coordinator Don Brown has several plays has several pieces of his puzzle to replace on defense. But I still think Michigan can definitely be solid. A solid team this year. That's why I put them at my number nine. At my number ten, I'm putting Notre Dame. The Irish, the good old Notre Dame Fighting Irish, took a big step by reaching the college football playoffs in 2018. But Ian Brooke must break in some new skill position talent this season. Tommy Kramer and Liam Ickenberg lead another talented offensive line. The defense features returnees and Khalid Kareem, Jalen Elliott, and Alohi Gilman. Notre Dame's depth through recruiting will be tested under Brian Kelly, but there really should be no complaints about a schedule that features three road trips to Georgia, Michigan, and Stanford. The early test will really be against the Bulldogs. That will be what fans would consider a season-shifting game. The game against Georgia for the Fighting Irish are huge. Let me close up with my number 11 and number 12 teams, and then I'll just tell you my uh, 13 to 25, And but I won't give you the reasons why I put them there. Number 11, I put Texas A&M Aggies. Jimbo Fisher returns, a talented team that includes star quarterback Kellen Mond and the Aggies definitely definitely have enough four and five star talent to be an SEC SEC West contender they have a road trip on September 7th to Clemson which definitely is not going to be an easy game for the Aggies and they also have an October 12th matchup with Alabama which once again is going to be a difficult game Texas A&M will also have some challenges with road trips to Georgia and LSU to close out their season. But I believe if Texas A&M can win 10 games against the schedule, then then they really deserve playoff consideration for me.
Closing it with number 12. Number 12, I, I have Penn State. Tommy Stevens' decision to enter the transfer porter, portal really shook up the quarterback race. Really did. But Sean Clifford impressed enough in the spring to take the lead for the job. The Nittany, the Natani Lions likely will have a running back committee and receiver KJ Hamler will build on an absolutely phenomenal season last year. He had a breakout season. Yatero Gross Models returns after leading the defense last season with eight sacks. And Micah Parsons could potentially enjoy a breakout season. But close losses to Ohio State have kept the Natani Lions out of the playoff race the last two seasons. James Franklin has upgraded the talent, but it's time to close the gap with the dear old Buckeyes. So that's Penn State for me at number 12. At number 13, I have Oregon. Number 14, I have Washington. 15, I have Auburn. 16, I have Utah. 17, I have Army. 18, Syracuse. 19, Mississippi State. 20, Iowa State. 21, Wisconsin. 22, Stanford. 23, Washington State. 24, UCF. And at number 25, Nebraska. Those are my college football rankings. I'm excited for this Utes season. They're starting off the year against the dear old BYU Cougars. The Utes this season, though, really have a talented team that can build on last year's Pac-12 championship game appearance. And you know where that building process begins for me? That building process begins... In the backfield. And it begins in the back in the backfield with Tyler Huntley. And not only Tyler Huntley, but Zach Moss. <coughs> Excuse me. Both return. Zach Moss could have a huge year and potentially be in the NFL. Tyler Huntley could definitely have a good season. Next for me, you also have Likai Fotu and Jalen Johnson. They're back. They are what we call impact players. Those two dudes are impact players on defense for the Utah Utes. And Kyle Whittingham's no crap approach works. For the Utes. This year will be no exception. Kyle Whittingham is one of the baddest coaches I know. Kyle Whittingham is just, he is a killer dude. I have mad respect for Kyle Whittingham. But for me, in order to stay at my number 16 team, you need to beat BYU the first, first week. You definitely do. If you can't do that then you've dropped a lot in my rankings. Here's why, though. I mean, Utah usually starts out the season against teams 
that they don't have to play 100% against. They play very sluggishly, maybe 75% at the most. But they face a challenge in BYU. First game of the season, right out of the gate. You're playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Those fans are loud. BYU, since 2006, 11-1 in home openers. Home openers. 11-1. You... The numbers speak for itself. But you're going to need to come out strong. Wilson for BYU is going to come out strong. But Tyler Huntley, you're back. Come out hard. Zach Moss, you're back. Come out. Play. I think the Utes, I have the Utes winning that game, but I think it's going to be an interesting game. That's another game you mark on your calendar. That game will be intense. So that, that's my college football predictions, my top 25. If you disagree with me, oh well. I I, I don't care. Next for me, I'm going to be talking about now we're, we're coming on a close, the MLB season. This is when we really start talking MVP talks. I know I talked about who I'd want to win MVP a couple episodes ago. But now we've really narrowed it down to a couple of guys. Uh, Richard Justice uh, this morning released the polls for MVP for both the American League and the National League. And for the American League, I was not surprised. For the National League, I kind of was. Here's why, though. The American League, I was a little bit surprised. For the American League, I mean, Mike Trout is in first place. He has 32 first place votes. And, and, And we'll talk about these guys individually in a second. Second guy, Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman has zero first place votes. And at the number three spot, you have Raphael Raphael Devers. And he has zero first place votes. So Mike Trout has all the first place votes. It's uh, unanimous for Mike Trout so far. If the season ended today, Mike Trout would win MVP unanimously. That's crazy. You already know how much I love Mike Trout. Guy's insane. In the National League, Cody Bellinger is in first place with 29 first place votes. Christian Yelich is in second place with three first place votes. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is third with no first place votes. Let's talk about my... uh, the The only reason I was surprised in the National League was there for a while. It was neck and neck with Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich. The yelly belly discussion. I talked to people a lot about the yelly belly discussion. I had that discussion a lot. And I said a couple even a couple weeks ago. I picked Cody Bellinger. 
I just think he deserves it. I just think he deserves it. Last season had a terrible, terrible season. I mean, he, he really set the bar as a rookie. I mean, his rookie season, the guy hit 267, 39 home runs, 97 RBIs. Had an on-base percentage of 352, slugging percentage of 581, and an OPS of 933. But last season, 2018, he had, it was super rough for him. He hit 260, so, I mean, about, he was hitting about the same average as his rookie year. We only hit 20, he only hit 25 home runs and 76 RBIs. So he went down a lot. And coming into the 2019 season, I really did not know what to expect from Cody Bellinger. But this year so far, he's blasted 42 home runs, has 97 RBIs, and is hitting 317. Has an on-base percentage of 415, slugging percentage of 671, and an OPS of one. 0.086. Holy crap. He is undeniably the MVP for me. Hitting 317? A lot of guys cannot hit 317. There for a while, he was hitting over 400. Like a little before the All Star break, he was hitting a little over 400. He's insane. I mean, this year. He hit his 100th career home run on August 2nd. That made him the fastest Dodger to 100 home runs. He did it in a little less than three seasons. He did it in 401 games. He broke the record of 422 by Mike Piazza. In the last 10 seasons, only Joey Gallo and Giancarlo Stanton have needed fewer games to reach 100. Giancarlo Stanton needed 400 games and Joey Gallo in 377. My goodness. He's insane. At this pace, he's unstoppable. He is unstoppable. He is I I I absolutely love this kid. He is so impressive. At first base position, he plays well. Right field position, he plays well. And he's only 24 years old, Lenny. Only 24 years old. Christian Yelich with only three first place votes. That's what I was surprised about. I thought it would be just, I mean, him and Belly would be a little closer, but no. I mean, he begins this week, August 20th, with 41 homers. And he's on track to break Prince Fielder's franchise record of 50 in 2007. Yelich, though, he is crazy. He's leading the National League with a 335 batting average and leads the majors with a 1.122 OPS. He and Cody Bellinger are also tied for the National League total bases. Entering into August 19th, Christian Yelich had 294. 
And so did Cody Bellinger. Christian Yelich is impressive. Very impressive. 41 homers, 89 RBIs, 334 average, 426 on base percentage. I like him a lot. The move, the change of scenery for him from Miami to Milwaukee made the difference. In Miami, he was not an all-star player. He was a good player, not an all-star player. But he, he he's come out and he's impressed everyone. I mean, God, love that guy. Love that guy. Um, third place, Ronald Acuna Jr., He's one stolen base from becoming the second player to have a 30-homer, 30-still season before his 22nd birthday. The man's still 21 years old. Mike Trout was in his age 20 season when he had 30 homers and 49 steals in 2012. Acuna was 21 years and 215 days old when he hit his 50th career home run on July 21st. Only three players... In the history of Major League Baseball, have hit 50 homers at a younger age. Those guys include Mel Ott, Tony Coneglario, Coneglario. Sorry, I cannot say his last name. It's 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 totally different. And Andrew Jones. Man, man, Acuna's. Impressive. Uh, I mean, he bust. He burst into the scene in 2018. He hit 26 homers, had 64 RBIs. This season, he's having a killer season, though. I mean, he's hitting 296, 35 homers, 85 RBIs. He's on pace to hit over 40 home runs. He's an impressive young man. I, I respect Acuna a lot, and I think. He is going to have a huge, huge future. Others receiving votes in the National League are Cattell Marte, Pete Alonzo, and Anthony Rendon. I have Pete Alonzo winning NL Rookie of the Year, so that's crazy that that he was even up for MVP. American League, Trout, 32 first place votes. He holds them all. He would just he would be just the 11th player to win 3 MVP awards. Only Barry Bonds with 7 has 3 more has more than 3. Trout recently tied his career high with 41 home runs and is on pace for 50. Uh if he hit 50 home runs, he would break the Angels franchise record of 47 set by Troy Glaus in the year 2000. Mike having a killer year. I mean, hitting 298, 41 homers, 96 RBIs, has 10 stolen bases, 443 on base percentage, OPS of 1.104. Guy is insane, ladies and gentlemen. I love me some Trouty. To me, he is the best player in baseball. I recently did a poll on Instagram and asked if he was the American League MVP. It was pretty much split right down the middle. For those of you that said Mike Trout would not win MVP, 
Oh, gosh, you're way wrong. He holds all the votes. He holds all of them. This guy, for me, is a unanimous MVP this year. People have tried to talk to me and say, hey, man, DJ LeMahieu deserves it because he's hitting 339, has 21 home runs and 86 RBIs. Okay. Okay. And he was an all-star this year. Okay. That means nothing to me. Mike Trout, eight-time all-star, two-time all-star MVP. Even though the Angels aren't the best team in baseball, which they are definitely not. The guy carries. He comes out on a daily basis, on a yearly basis. Trout does not, so far, has not really had an off year. You can tell me that he did. But mind you, Mike Trout, one year, injured his thumb in Miami. And he still blasted 33 homers that year. Trout's having a killer season. He should also get over the 100 RBI. I mean, he's sitting with 96 ribbies. So Trout, I think, will definitely surpass the 100 RBIs. He could end up with about 110, 111, maybe even over. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the best player in baseball. This is the best player in baseball. Second place, Alex Bregman, zero first place votes. He's having an insane month of August, though. He entered into August 19th with a 442 batting average and a 540 on base percentage in the month of August. He is just the sixth player in franchise history with multiple 30 homer seasons. He has struck out once. He's only struck out once. In his last 54 plate appearances before August 19th. And has swung at just 18.4% of pitches outside the strike zone. That is the second lowest mark in the MLB. His 87% contact rate is ninth overall. I like me some Alex Bregman a lot. He is a killer. He's only 25 years old. Sitting 281, 30 homers, 83 RBIs, on base percentage of 409, OPS of 970. This is an impressive kid. I like me some Alex Bregman. He has a bright future ahead of him. He's been an all star, all star MVP. Like him a lot. Third place, Rafael Devers, zero first place votes. He's hitting 350 since the All-Star break. And overall, leads the majors with 160, 167 hits. 101 RBIs, 46 doubles, and 76 extra base hits. He joins big man Ted Williams as the only Red Sox player with at least 70 extra base hits in a, in a season at the age of 22 or younger. I like Devers a lot. Him and the Red Sox are fighting for a wild card. They have to, they have to play hard. I mean, they, they, they really do. 
we could talk about Red Sox playoff push. Another episode about I'll talk about it about September-ish about when it starts getting real close and we'll see how many games back they are. I think right now they're about six, six and a half. But they're not cutting it. They're playing really sluggishly lately. They're not playing the same. Chris Sale is having a terrible year. Rick Porcello is really off. It's not. It has not been a good season for the Red Sox. I mean, last year they won the World Series against an amazing team of the Dodgers. But it's just it's been a terrible year for them. Other receiving votes are in the American League are DJ LeMahieu, Matt Chapman, Xander Bogarts, Yuli Gurriel, and Carlos Santana. I really like Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. That kid is impressive. I know I say that a lot, but I like Matt Chapman a lot. I mean, he's hitting 262, 29 homers, 70 ribbies. And he's also a really, really cool guy. Matt Chapman is one of the nicest guys in the MLB. I mean, you look at him, he's he's messing around with the fans. He's just having a good time. He loves what he does. As opposed to guys like Joey Votto who are just, I mean, they're just old stinkheads. I mean, they don't care. So that for me is who I'd place. MVP, I have American League Trout, National League Cody Bellinger. Those are my MVPs. I already told you the reasons, but I also wanted to talk about second place, third place votes, and, you know, and talk about how impressive those were. So after the break, we'll uh, close the show up with me talking about the Ogden Raptors. You see me on Instagram post about them a lot. I'm always at the games, having a great time there. So I'll close up with a segment on the Ogden Raptors. Make sure you stay tuned. I'm back from the break. To close today's show, I want to talk about the Ogden Raptors. If you've if you watch my Instagram stories, follow me on Instagram. I am always at Raptors games. You can always catch me at the Raptors game. Let me tell you, man, that these Raptors are an impressive team. They won the first half, first half champions. Pioneer League South. First place team. They, they were unstoppable. Killer team. They sent a bunch of guys to the All-Star game. Right now, currently, in the Pioneer League standings, they're part of the Pioneer League South. Ogden is 13-7. and seven. They're in first place. They have a 650 winning percentage. Second place is the Orem Owls. They're 10 and 10. They 500 winning percentage. They're three games back. Third place is the Grand Junction Rockies. 8 and 11, 421 winning percentage. Four and a half games back. Fourth place, Rocky Mountain Voyagers. 8 and 12, 400 winning percentage, five games back. Let me tell you though, I mean this this Raptors team is unstoppable, and there are certain guys on this team that I think contribute a ton to the winning. I think all the guys, I mean all the guys on the team, definitely contribute to the winning. But here are guys that I have picked out that contribute very heavily. As I've gone to Raptors games this season, I've gone to a bunch of them. As I've analyzed these guys, watched them, 
Here are the guys who I think definitely the most. I'm going to start off pitching-wise. Pitching, for me, number one, Geronimo Castro. The man from the Dominican Republic. This guy is solid. This season for Ogden, he's posted a 3-0 record. Has a 3.05 ERA. He's pitched in 12 games. Has 56 innings under his belt this year. Opposing batters are only hitting 217 against him. Has a whip of one. Has 56 strikeouts so far for the Raptors. Has only walked 10 so far. This is a impressive young man. 22 years old. He has some filthy, filthy stuff. His last outing was at Rocky Mountain. It was August 18th. He went three and two-thirds innings, gave up five hits, two earned runs, struck out four. Last time I saw him pitch was on August 12th against the Missoula Osprey. He went seven innings that game, gave up five hits, only one earned run, and struck out seven. He was unstoppable that game. But he's all—I mean, he's an unstoppable pitcher regularly. He goes pretty deep into games. He can go about five to seven innings sometimes. Sometimes he's got these starts though in the rookie advanced league. They're cut—they're just cut short. I mean, and that's fine though. No one's complaining. But I've been definitely very impressed with Geronimo Castro. Impressive young man. I hope to see him in a Dodgers uniform. Next guy for me, Mark Mixon. Kid from Jacksonville, Florida. I like this guy a lot. This year for the Raptors, he's posted a 2-0 record. 0.73 ERA. He's pitched in 10 games. Opposing batters are hitting .150 against him. Has a 0.81 whip. He's walked four. I like this guy. I like this guy a lot. He has great stuff. He's obviously getting batters out. If batters are only hitting 150 against him... His last pitching outing came on August 17th. He went one and a third, gave one hit, walked one, struck out three. It was at Rocky Mountain. This I like this guy a lot. I think he's going to make it very far. I'm actually really surprised he's not in the Great Lakes Loons. I mean, this guy... He's got it. He's got it. He's got the stuff. I've been impressed. And I think Austin Chubb has also been impressed with him. So definitely an impressive young man. He's he's definitely contributing to their wins. Nice guy for me. Shortstop Jimmy Titus. Jimmy. Jimmy's a good guy. I like Jimmy a lot. This year for the Raptors, he's posting a three thirty three average. Four home runs. 17 RBIs. Has two stolen bases as well. So four four nineteen on base percentage, slugging percentage of five forty four, and an OPS of nine sixty three. So, for me, I'm giving it to him. 
I like Jimmy Titus a lot. Guy can hit. Came, he comes up in clutch moments. I mean, a lot of the times, I think people are concerned about home runs and all this stuff. I'm not concerned about home runs at all. If you can get on base, you can play. That's what matters to me. I don't care if you have 20 home runs. If you have 20 home runs, but you're batting 167 with a 220 on base percentage, nah, you're not for me. Jimmy Titus, though, I like this guy a lot. I mean, 333 average, that's a solid average. Most guys can't even hit that. They dream of hitting that. On base percentage of 419, that's solid. His last his uh, last appearance was on August 15th against Masula, where he had four at-bats, only one hit, struck out once. So, definitely an impressive guy. He hasn't played in this series so far against the Voyagers, so... We'll see what happens with him. We'll see what happens. Next guy for me, my favorite player on the Raptors, Brandon Lewis, third baseman slash first baseman. This kid can play. This season for the Raptors, he's appeared in 32 games. Is batting 369, 12 home runs, 39 RBIs, slugging percentage of 723, on base percentage of 423, and an OPS of 1.146. How is this kid still here? This man, this man should be up. Rancho Cucamonga. Or even, heck, even Great Lakes. I mean, this, this, this guy should be moving up. Kid from UC Irvine. This kid can play ball. He is very impressive. I love watching Brandon Lewis. Because he can play. And he plays the game correctly. He doesn't cheat his way. The guy just plays. The guy just plays. I mean, 423 on base percent. That, that's huge. 369 average. In 32 games. That's impressive. I mean, his last, his last appearance on August 19th. He had five at-bats, three hits, and drove in a run. 3 for 5 on the day is a solid day at the plate. That's what you those are the kind of days you want. Brandon Lewis is definitely contributing to the winning for the Ogden Raptors. And to me honestly, I think he should be up with the Great Lakes. Heck, I I even think he should be up with Rancho Cucamonga. Get him up there. Get him up there. Final guy for me. Andy Pajes, good grief, the right fielder, 18 years old. This, the, oh my gosh, this guy's impressive. This season, he's appeared in 48 games, has a 274 average, 12 homers, 42 RBIs. This kid is only 18 years old. 18, he's slugging. A f- he has a slugging percentage of 587, OPS of 981, on base percentage of 394. My goodness, my goodness. I'm taking this kid any day of the week. This He is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Everything he brings to the plate, he also plays a mean defense. He's diving for balls. He's trying to throw guys out. Impressive. 
this guy will be in a Dodgers uniform. I, I, I almost guarantee it. I could see all these guys. I said Castro, Mixon, Titus, Lewis, Pajes. Lots of these guys. A lot of these guys on this Ogden Raptors roster this year will be in the. You give them a couple years, and they'll be on the Dodgers. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying a lot of them. Because these guys are impressive. You can't. You cannot deny it. If you haven't, man, you got to go to a Raptors game. You just got to. I mean, they are so much fun. These players are so nice. Brandon Lewis is one of the nicest players I've ever met. He's super chill. Jimmy Titus is a really down-to-earth guy. Mark Mixon is really cool. Geronimo Castro, awesome. Andy Pajes, really awesome guy. I love Jeremy Araco. I can never say his last name. So if I botch it, I'm sorry. Jeremy Araco or Aracho, really awesome guy. He is just, he's a fan-friendly guy. He'll talk to you for a minute. Just see how you're doing. I mean, even if you don't know him, he's just a really chill guy. He's awesome. The Raptors games are so much fun, though. There's such an environment there. I mean, these fans truly love their team, and they'll stick behind them. I think, though, they're taking the Pioneer League by storm again. They're going to win the championship this year. And for me, it's a no-doubter. I mean, I don't know really who can stand against them. I don't think they have a lot of opposition who can take them down. So that for me is the Ogden Raptors broke down. I mean, these guys are young guys. 18 years old, 22 years old. Young guys pushing to make the major leagues. Trying their hardest. Going to the batting cage at the ballpark. They're showing up at the ballpark. They're, paying, they're playing catch. They're putting it all on the line. I wish all of them good luck. I wish all of them good luck. These are impressive guys that I think have a bright, bright future. This is probably the best Ogden Raptors roster that we've seen in a pretty long time. I mean, we saw a good roster in about 2001 with J.J. Hardy out there and Corey Hart. I think this almost beats it. I mean, heck, even 2011 with Seeger and Stripling and Jarrell Cotton. But I think this beats it. This beats it by far. These are impressive guys. I mean, they they are taking the Pioneer League by storm. You have got to watch these guys. You just can't not. You just cannot watch not watch these guys. Get out there, catch a game. They're pretty cheap, and you know what? All the time they're doing free ticket giveaways. That stuff. I mean, you can drop by somewhere and get free tickets. So it is awesome. Make sure to check them out. That's all for me today. That's all I have time. Make sure to catch me next week. I I don't know. Uh, when really I'll start releasing these. I mean, I, I love doing these, but my schedule's about to get busy. I'm headed back to school. Things are going to start getting crazy. Um, but I, I, I hope I can still start, still release these on, on Wednesday and make it a regular thing. So thank you guys for tuning in today. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you contact us through Instagram or even email, LinkedIn. Check us out. That's all for today, folks. Thank you guys for listening to Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowles.